It's January 29, 2002, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. The former U.S. President George W. Bush was never short of a bon mot from I think we can agree the past is over to rarely is the question asked, is our children learning? (laughs) Perhaps the phrase that he'll be most remembered for is the axis of evil, a formulation he coined today in history in 2002 in a controversial State of the Union address that focused on America's resolve in its fight against terrorism. Yeah, the axis of evil speech. When I tried to recall what that looked like, I pictured him sitting in the Oval Office talking down the barrel of the camera. Mm. But actually, that was declaration of war. Uh, That was speeches after 9-11. I suspect I was actually probably imagining Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live (laughs) talking about the axis of evil. But actually, the speech where he uses the word axis of evil was in front of the whole of Congress. It was his State of the Union address for 2002, which, of course, was the first one since 9-11. Yeah, I mean, the threat of terrorism to America's security was expected to take centre stage in the speech. And there was an appetite for, a, you know, a robust response. The editorial in The New York Times a day after said that Bush's prosecution of the war against terror has given Americans a new appreciation for his character and confidence in his leadership. Mm. That feeling was palpable on Capitol Hill, where the president seemed to get an even warmer welcome than usual. So whatever we think looking back on it now, at the time, this was definitely seen as hitting the right tone. Yeah, it's interesting to look back on what George W. Bush thought he had achieved since 9-11, because in the speech he said, In four short months, our nation has comforted the victims, begun to rebuild New York and the Pentagon, rallied a great coalition, captured, arrested and rid the world of thousands of terrorists, destroyed Afghanistan's terrorist training camps, saved the people from starvation and freed a country from brutal oppression. Yeah, but he's not going to say, you know, in the past four months, we've all been shaking with fear from the threat of terrorism and killed tens of thousands of innocent people in the Middle East. No, that's not an applause line. (laughs) So the axis of evil, which countries were in it? Because if that was a pub quiz question, I well, I knew Iraq was in it, but I'd forgotten that the other two were Iran and North Korea. Mm. I mean, it's proper crazy because they're not related countries. The way in which they are evil to the United States is completely disparate and motivated by different things and different leaders. And what he's done is just, just put together three completely different nations, but also didn't include Afghanistan, right. <laughs> which is the one they're at war with. Yeah. I think the legacy of the speech is totally this. It's warming the American public up to the idea that the terror threat is anything we want it to be. You know, yes. anywhere, anything, anyone it can be a threat and therefore is fair game. You know, When you look at the words of the speech and the examples that Bush uses, he's conflating wildly different situations and mm. levels of danger. You know, he talks about Saddam Hussein using poison gas in Iraq. He talks about Iran and its weapons program. He talks about North Korea and the ballistics program. You know, it's all different things that aren't really connected to each other at all but it does create in the mind of the listener this threat that is both vast but also very nebulous and these vague but terrifying fears you know anthrax nerve gas nuclear weapons you know nothing specific but also everything they could provide these arms to terrorists yeah You're like what north korea yeah <laughs> north korea's yeah. gonna have a terrorist in the united states well, no they're not so interesting that like quite a lot of at least the emergence of the phrase itself the access of evil seems to be attributable to one speechwriter 
alone, a guy called David Froome, who originally had actually written The Axis of Hatred, and then George Bush himself changed hatred to evil. But the notion that he was trying to create was, exactly as you're saying, Rebecca, that there's these disparate threats that all need to be tackled simultaneously. And what he says is that he went back and studied the speech of President Franklin D. Roosevelt after the attack on Pearl Harbor, when Americans were feeling quite justified about going to war in Japan, but they weren't necessarily thinking that that related directly to antagonism towards Germany. And what Frum decided was that you could bring together separate threats that don't themselves have any direct connection, but each pose a sort of intellectual boogeyman, and you can pull them all into one, and it doesn't really matter if they have no direct connection, like the actual axis from World War II, which obviously did work together in parallel. Which they're obviously referencing right. to make you think that they're connected. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And axis of hatred actually does make sense. I mean, you know, yes. it's, it's a bit of rhetoric, but like you get it because the, the thing that they do all have in common is they do hate the United States. That's true. Right. And it's true that they've just been attacked by terrorists and terrorism is an idea as much as anything else, right? There is an axis of hatred. I think that's legitimate. It's quite hard to argue with that. Yeah. You just might say the word axis is like maybe over-egging it. But to make it evil... Yes, he needed a rallying flag-waving speech, but to go to evil, mm. that creates a sliding scale, which means anyone who disagrees with the United States is automatically not the good guys, which is really problematic for people in the middle, like France or Germany, mm. you know, allies of the US who don't want to bomb Iraq. Mm. Who are they? Are they not good guys now? Mm. This is the problem with axis of hatred, right? Because if your point is these countries hate us, it's really hard to segue into, therefore, we must take an incredibly strong, if necessary, yeah. militaristic stance against them. You know, yeah. if you're faced with an opponent who hates you, like the obvious counterpoint would be to attempt to befriend them and to reduce the tensions. Rebranding it as axis of evil logically holds that, therefore, you are good, which means you need to defeat evil, which can involve anything. Mm. And I mean, from himself has expressed, I mean, he, he went on to, you know, went on to work in conservative think tanks it's not like he had a total change of heart but he has come to have a far more ambivalent attitude towards his time in the bush administration and this speech in particular it's not like he stepped away from it completely but he did say like when you're a speechwriter, you don't expect everything to get through from the first draft to the final copy so he's already like well you know i kind of wrote a thing and i thought it was going to be changed before it actually went out into the world so he's he's stepping away from it in that sense he actually wants to say that a lot of his analysis at least was right and that sense of different groups supporting each other he was like look you know you kind of have like iran supporting syria and south korea contributing technology that underpinned iran's nuclear reactors and so on like this idea that all of these different groups although they weren't necessarily connected there is still this group of overlapping interests that are anti-American. And what's remarkable looking at the list of countries then is that they're all such small, relatively insignificant countries now, aren't they? In the context of now, you'd add China and Russia to that list, wouldn't you? Right. I mean, the most populous country in the world, the biggest landmass in the world, the biggest armies and navies in the world are now on that list, really. Not that Joe Biden would ever say axis of evil. No. And you could even include countries like India or Turkey because they support those countries. So... I suppose you couldn't even call it axis of evil now because it's, I don't know the maths, but it's possibly half the world would fit into that category now. Well, you know what? At, at the time, some of the Bush administration hawks also foresaw this issue, Ollie, which, you know, if you've already defined your axis of evil, that doesn't leave room to defame any more entire countries. No. So just a few months later, John Bolton, who is, you know, the Republican 
Uber Warhawk. He was then Under Secretary of State. He gave a speech that was in May of 2002 that was entitled Beyond the Axis of Evil, which <laughs> realised they needed to leave room to hate more countries. <laughs> and the Beyond the Axis of Evil, the kind of the fringe countries waiting for a slot on the Axis of Evil to open up. Pakistan. Well, <laughs> well no, no. And a good guess, though. Yeah. It follows the original pattern, you know, where you think Iran, meh, Iraq, meh, yeah. North Korea, meh. So the Beyond group were Libya, right. Syria, yes. and Cuba. Yes. It's like Cuba in 2002. Yeah. Where'd it go? I mean, really, this was about preparing the Americans for going to war in Iraq, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was a know, soft launch. We yeah. saw, people realised that at the time. I mean, the, the following week after this, um, Berlin's Deputy Foreign Minister, Ludger Vollmer, told The Guardian, quote, we Europeans warn against it. Mm. It being an invasion of Iraq. Hadn't been formally proposed yet. There is no indication, no proof that Iraq is involved in the terrorism we've been talking about for the last few months. This terror argument cannot be used to legitimise old enmities. And here in the UK, where ultimately, of course, we would end up supporting America in the war in Iraq, very controversially, our government too were trying to tee up that possibility while saying this isn't about that. It's um, George Bush playing to his domestic audience. You have to understand they've just suffered a big terror attack. It's just about winning an election in the US. It's don't worry, was kind of Jack Straw's line. He was the foreign secretary here. And Condoleezza Rice actually came out directly and spoke on that and said, this isn't about American politics. And I assume that when the British government speaks about foreign policy, it's not about British politics. Mm. So it was very clear that they were just laying down those slabs <laughs> of path towards saying Saddam had weapons of mass destruction regardless of what any evidence says and we're going to attack. Yeah, but it was so transparent even at the time and all of those contortions, I remember... The commentary wasn't like, oh, I see. Well, here's a sort of the beginnings of something and I don't know what they're going to do. No, everyone was like, OK, I can see what you're trying to do. You're trying to start a war in Iraq. And, and yeah. that was like, if, if they were trying to do it subtly, this was the least successful <laughs> speech possible. <laughs> Although delivered with flair. Yeah, I mean, that's sure, what, I mean, you mocked George <laughs> W. Bush in your intro, and I'm, I'm glad you managed to finally make that purchase of Bushisms into a tax deduction expense. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, he actually comes across when you watch this State of the Union address as quite strong and professional compared to what we've become used to since. I mean, it's that itself that makes me worry about what future presidents are going to look like when we're looking back on Trump from that vantage and going, wow, he was a model of decorum and capability. <laughs> he really knew how to rein in the controversy. Yeah. <laughs> This episode first aired last year exclusively to members of Club Retrospectors. Join today and unlock a new episode this Sunday. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors! <laughs> Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hulu. <laughs> 